Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. Our guest today is Cassandra Worthy. Cassandra is a highly sought after consultant, speaker, and change enthusiast who is sharing her revolutionary approach for not only embracing change, but using it to propel you to new heights you never imagined. Her message is especially needed in times of great change like we're in right now. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us. What it do, Brian? Thank you for having me. This is, this is exciting. I appreciate you. I know. Well, we're all excited to have you here. I, as I was telling you beforehand, like we had an agent meeting. We're so excited that you're on and that you're on camera too. So if you're listening to the audio version, make sure to hop over and check out the video version too. Um, and so Cassandra's great on video. We're, we're going to get into a little bit about how that has changed uh, you know, her message and everything else. But first, I'm really uh, intrigued. So a lot of people talk about change. Um, where does this idea of change enthusiast come from and what is that? Sure. Yeah, it comes from my own personal experiences. Uh, so I'm a chemical engineer by trade and I spent 15 years working in more traditional roles in corporate. And then it was all basically in the consumer packaged goods industry and a lot of it at Procter & Gamble. And so I spent a lot of time in acquisitions, right? So being a part of businesses that got acquired by different companies, as well as being within parent companies who made acquisitions. And for those of you who have been a part of acquisitions or really anyone going through the type of change that feels like it slaps you across the face and knocks you on the ground, that type of change you didn't ask for, it just shows up. Uh, that's what I experienced going through those acquisitions. And, you know, that first experience, I was, I was so frustrated. I was so just, I found myself angry. I found myself upset nearly every day because it really felt like an us versus them culture. And it felt like, you know, as many ideas as I had, as much innovation as I wanted to bring, it was met with a lot of resistance. And so I really, every day, I almost quit. Every day I wanted to walk out the door and quit. And, and I reached out to a mentor when I was in the struggle and she was like, Cassandra, you can either get bitter or you can get better. And it's really your choice. It's up to you. Uh, and letting that wisdom marinate, I started to embrace this idea that I did have control. I could control how I experienced my work, how I chose to experience my work. And so it was by going through that, that I started to cultivate this mindset that, you know what, if I'm feeling frustration, it means that I'm being signaled into this opportunity, an opportunity to become better, a better leader, a better contributor, to learn about myself, to learn about my business. And it's up to me to choose how I move forward. Um, and so through practicing that mindset in the face of all those emotions, I was able to take my career in places that I never thought I would be able to do it, that I ever even dreamed. Uh, and then I started to hear uh, questions from folks like, especially during my second acquisition, leading an organization as a mid-level level executive, like, Cassandra, how are you able to do this? How are you able to go through all this stressful change and still stay upbeat and positive and lead your organization through all of this while being real through all of it? And I was like, you know what, I can cultivate and, and you know, uh, put this together in a way so that I could teach it to others, so that others could actually see the benefit and the value of, of recognizing those emotions as gifts. We are emotional beings, right? They're not to be ignored or suppressed. They're to be embraced because they signal us into these great opportunities to grow. And so, yeah, once I packaged it and into a way, into these three steps, coined it, change enthusiasm, put my face on it and my energy behind it. Uh, it's just kind of skyrocketing. And I've been able to see the data that I saw in my personal life replicated with my client base all around the world. And that this mindset, it, it really works. It really does work. One word. And so there's a lot that you gave us there. 
One word that kind of stood out to me is is real. So yeah. real change, like real enthusiasm. So because sometimes people can be accused of, hey, let's just do be Pollyanna and everything else. Where does this real enthusiasm come from? And how do you, I guess, transfer it to people who may not have that natural enthusiasm? Yeah, I love that question. And what was so important for me, because I'm a naturally upbeat kind of person, right? If you can't tell. But the uh, something that I struggle with and that actually makes me the biggest student of this lesson than anyone else in the world is that I like to hide or ignore or suppress those really difficult emotions. Um, and when you do that, there's a real dangers that they fester, that they just, you know, uh, it bubble up and allow you to just unleash them on the people that don't deserve it. Right. And so this this teaching is all about recognizing and acknowledging those really difficult emotions. So that's why I say it's real. It's not about blind optimism. It's about facing those difficult emotions and the thoughts and the things that are bringing your awareness into those emotions head on to understand what is inviting this emotion within me. What are these thoughts? What's happening such that I feel so frustrated each and every day? And it's through exploring that that you're able to think about, okay, if I can trust that I'm being welcomed into an opportunity to grow, how can I do that? What are my options uh, to do just that? And, and if I didn't mention it before, it's three steps, right? So that first step, which I'm talking about now, is called the signal. These are these signal emotions, fear, frustration, anger, grief. The second step is the opportunity. It's seeing and recognizing those emotions, welcoming you into your opportunity, weighing out options. How can I milk this opportunity? for all it's worth. And then the third step is the choice. That's when you leverage the power of choice to begin transforming that emotional energy into fuel for your growth. But yeah, I, I, I call it real because it's not blind. It's not blind to those difficult emotions, to the difficult aspects of change. Rather, it embraces that and gives you the power to transform it into fuel and to get about the business of growing. Yeah, this is tough. Yeah, I got some frustration, but it means I'm being cued to grow and I'm gonna be better tomorrow than I am today. How did you, uh, so I'm curious with your mentor, you mentioned this, this woman who had really mentored you. How did you build that trust in the first place where you were able to feel confident in following her advice to you during that difficult time? Oh, she's incredible. So she was actually a mentor that I'd had for a while. Um, she was a part of that parent company. Um, and so I had known her for quite some time. And so she and I had already developed a really good working relationship. And honestly, I had to trust because I was at this breaking point. <laughs> I was at this point where if I don't get some help, I'm going to try to find a way to quit um, and walk out of the door from a company that historically I had loved, 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 loved. Um, and so I, I was like, there has to be another way. And she had been someone that had been a part of my mentorship circle. And now she's sitting in a leadership position. She's in this company. She's also transitioned in. She's got to understand where I'm coming from. We know each other. She's got to be able to, to help me out. And in uh, full transparency, right, I have evolved over the past <laughs> Over the past years, when I came to her, I basically was venting uh, <laughs> and I probably said everything short of like, yo, you need to fire my boss. OK, and you need to fire this other dude over here and then promote me <laughs> so I can fire eight or nine other people I'm struggling with. Right. So it wasn't all like, listen, how can I grow? How can I become better? And I wasn't that involved at the time. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first part of this are the signals. Sure. What, how do you um, how do you translate those properly? Because it seems like a lot of it is is not just seeing them, but seeing them for what they can be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a matter of it's the acknowledgement that the emotions exist. And I often teach the first way to practice this, this first step is really about knowing you. How do these emotions manifest? How do they uh, manifest through me? What does frustration feel like? What does anger feel like in my body? What are the physiological behaviors that happen? Like for me, when I'm frustrated or I'm angry, the hair will stand up on the back of my neck. My mouth goes dry. My palms get sweaty. Uh, so those are my cues like, yo, I'm feeling some emotional energy. Uh, but it's in this first step. It's recognizing their existence, knowing what frustration, fear, anger, grief, anger, how does that feel in your, feel like in your body? And then giving yourself the grace to allow them to exist and know that it, it is okay. It is okay if you're in a situation that's challenging, that's inspiring frustration within you. That's okay. And it's actually a good thing because for me and what I've seen now replicated thousands of times all around the world, when they exist, they bubble up for a reason. They're inspired for a reason. You're in an opportunity to become better, to learn something, to grow, to pivot, to change in a way that's going to make you better than you were yesterday. So yeah, invite them or allow them to exist acknowledge them, grant yourself grace. If you need to take a day, if you need to take a beat, do that, but then trust they're here for a reason. They are here within me to serve me. And I'm going to find out why, and I'm going to explore this opportunity to become better than I was yesterday. And I like how you move on to the next step because this opportunity is not, it doesn't move right to action because that's where so many people, and, and I like how you talk about thinking through these things. How do you decide what opportunities to pass on? Oh, what opportunities to pass on? So usually what I do and the way that I coach others who are practicing this mindset is to start with those thoughts that are bringing your awareness into that signal emotion, because that's the part that's going to get you to a better feeling the quickest, right? So for example, for me, when I was in that business, my thoughts that were bringing my awareness into all of my frustration and anger was that this was not a business I could grow in. My colleagues don't have my back and I got to get out of here. I got quit. <laughs> and so, you know, it was around the, my colleagues and their behaviors, as well as just thinking it wasn't a place that I could grow and develop. And so one of my options were, okay, well, let's fact check this. Let's see if this is actually a place where I can't grow or that my colleagues don't have my back. And so I started to explore new ways of engaging with my colleagues. Um, and I actually did this series of articles when I was in that position. And I interviewed a lot of my colleagues and ask them, what are you most proud of? How do you think your functional expertise can advance not only results in this business, but other business units around the parent company? And it's like it broke down this wall that was between us. And it became a very open, candid dialogue. And I got to understand where their passions lie. I got to understand the differences in the cultural norms or, you know, versus where I was coming from with the parent company versus where they were coming from. And it became this, this bridge, right? This bridge of trust where I could heal and where they could get their minds open also to where I was coming from. Um, and so, yeah, I think that when you can start with those thoughts that's bringing your awareness into that emotion, that's usually the juiciest options uh, and juiciest act actions to take to inspire better feeling and then get you moving, get you moving a little bit and transforming some of that energy. So I love, so I love interviews, obviously. This is part of what I do. <laughs> um, how did you, I, cause I'm curious about this because like if you're, you're talking about they don't have your back yeah. and I'm gonna go interview them. So I'm yeah. curious to know like what, 
how did you get that done? Because if you don't feel like they don't have your back, they might feel the same way about you if this is like this change. And so I'm curious now, but like, how did you set this up and what made you want to do that? Yeah. So quick and, you know, round out the story. So within my first couple months, I had a colleague um, share my results and my data, as well as some conclusions and recommendations that I had against my work to senior leadership of that organization without me not being in the room and without even acknowledging that it was all my work. Um, and then when I shared it with my manager, uh, he could care less. He said, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, so yeah, that evoked a lot of very strong signal emotions, Hmm. but one of my options, as I started to explore that emotion, knowing I was being welcomed into some type of opportunity, I could either trust or distrust. I could trust that they had my best, you know, interests at heart and that they weren't acting maliciously or I could completely distrust them because of those actions. I chose to trust they weren't acting maliciously. So fueled by that trust, uh, that that resentment, that frustration began to transform into a bit of intrigue. Because if I'm trusting they're not acting maliciously, then why in God's name would they share my results uh, without me being there and not acknowledging that I had done all of the work? Um, and so I was intrigued. This like it's I I started. I, to- I was intrigued. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started asking myself questions. I'm like, yo, why don't I just ask the questions of them? I could do this as an article. I can interview a lot of people just to understand where they're coming from. Try to understand some of these cultural dynamics. And so that really was the fuel uh, that led me into this decision and the choice to have these conversations. And I'm telling you, when I'm sitting there and I'm conversing with them, and I interviewed the same individual that had shared my results. And when this wall started to melt, and when I started understanding why they do that, and how it's a part of a cultural norm, and how they're really looking out for the technical community when they do that. I'm like, ah, you weren't acting maliciously. <laughs> and you're a good dude, you know? So it, it was very healing for me and eye-opening. And I'm so, so very grateful that I was practicing this mindset at that time and able to transform that resentment feeling into that intrigue feeling because it prompted that article, which prompted more and more things in that organization. I ended up influencing the culture of the organization, got to talk with the president about it. Um, and it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. Well, I love, well, I love that you made that choice. So I know, I know, I know we skipped a little bit for choice. So the third part of what you talk about is choice. You made that choice to actually know rather than guess what exactly. these motives were, because so often we give people a really bad backstory um, in our heads when we're, whenever something goes wrong. So I love that you actually decided to know rather than guess. Um, the next, the third part, you know, sort of the closing part of that is choice. Can you explain yes. what you mean by that and how you advise people to go about making the right choice? Of course. And it's right for them, right? Whatever the right choice for them is at the time. The choice is magic, man. That's, that's where I say the magic happens when you put this mindset into practice. Because I truly feel that choice is one of the most powerful tools we have in our arsenal as human beings. Um, through conscious choice, we can start to transform that emotional energy. Um, and if I can geek out a little bit, right, as an engineer, I think about us as like a closed system and this emotion is energy, right? And the third law of thermodynamics says that you can either transform, you can transfer, or you can conserve energy, right? It can't be created or destroyed. And so if we conserve energy, that's what I was talking about before, numbing it out, um, you know, ignoring it. And then all of a sudden you have these emotional outbursts 
to your family, to your friends, to people who don't deserve it, um, right? So that's not the best of options. And that, honestly, it's what I'm prone to do. Uh, or we can transfer. And that's the venting piece, right? That's what I did to that mentor. That's what I think is probably natural to many of us is just vent about how much this sucks. All this change is happening. We didn't ask for why are they doing it, right? The venting can feel good, but it's not systemic. And I find that that energy will just flow right back to you, right? It's like this game of hot potato that happens. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is to transform. And if we do that through the power of choice, by choosing a different action, by choosing a different way of thinking, we can begin to transform our emotional energy, just like I transformed that resentment, that frustration, that anger that I had for that colleague into entry, into wanting to understand and learn more. And you do that through the power of choice. Um, and so, yeah, I really say it's, it's up to them. I can't tell people what a right choice is. It really needs to be guided and come from them. One of your talks also is about curiosity. And for those uh, who don't know everything, you're just learning about Cassandra a little bit. She's pretty legit. So like an actual <laughs> singer and then also like a uh, division one shot putter discus thrower. And what's your, what are your PRs in those? What, what are your, what are the Cassandra? Oh gosh, Brian, you're going to take me back. Um, I was trying to find it online and I was like 43 something, but I couldn't tell. It wouldn't let me pull up the whole thing. results. So I, I was like one of those skinny little sprinters, so I couldn't do anything. So, uh, hey, I tell people that I did, uh, I did track and field, but I always say I threw track, right? And they look <laughs> at me like, you were a runner. I was like, no, 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 I did not run track. <laughs> yeah. I threw heavy objects. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so my specialty, I'll say, was the shot put. For those of you who don't know, it's a big metal ball for women. It's eight pounds. Um, I know that I had broken, I went to Georgia Tech. I yeah. had broken Georgia Tech's school record as a senior in high school. So going into the team, uh, I had already claimed the school record. Um, about two or three years later, one of my colleagues broke that. Um, but so the legitimate throw that was my PR was just under 50 feet. Wow. Although during a regional championship, uh, I had one that was like 56 and a half feet, but I scratched. I, oh. stepped, <laughs> I stepped on the toe board. But as you can tell, I didn't forget <laughs> um, and I still tell people, even though it's not in the books and it didn't count, it went far. <laughs> nice, nice. And then, and obviously, obviously an engineer as well. Um, yes. And um, and where do you think kind of this um, sort of renaissance approach came from for you of being really good at a lot of different things? Like who inspired you to do that? And what advantage do you, advantages do you think you have from that? Sure. So I, I, I firmly believe the inspiration was from my mom, uh, really both of my parents who implanted this core value and belief within me that I can do and be anything that I want. Um, and then the other piece is just something that has always been inherently innate within me. And it's this sense of curiosity. You mentioned one of my, one of my TEDx talks about the power of curiosity, but I have always been a very curious person. That curious child that asks all those questions, she's still right here with me. <laughs> um, and it's through curiosity that I you know, found a love of science and math because they gave me the tools to answer a lot of questions that I had about the mysteries of the universe. Um, and then, you know, eventually getting into engineering, which, you know, really with an engineering degree, you're taught to think and you're taught how to become a rock star problem solver. And so to go off into industry, solving complex problems, doing shampoo formulation, shampoo design, you know, blades and razors, um, alkaline battery chemistry, 
Um, uh, it was a lot of fun and I was able to answer a lot of, a lot of complex problems. And so I think that my curiosity, I've always allowed it to run rampant. Um, and honestly, it's another reason why I now do what I do, uh, because I came curious about how can I frame this thing that I do in a way so that it can help someone else. Um, and by pursuing that curiosity and, and sharing my gifts and talents with the world in as big and as brightest way as I can, uh, it welcomed me into the business that I do now. Yeah, and I, that's one of the things I love is that search for answers, whether it's with your colleagues or whether it's like, how does shampoo work? Um, yeah. You know, I think it's so that sort of uh, innate driver there, I think, is is so helpful. So yeah. congratulations you to you guys for actually, for actually following. Yes. And if you think about putting change enthusiasm into practice, that opportunity step, that second step, if you have a sense, a natural sense of curiosity, that's going to help you even more. Because truly the question is, how can I learn from this? How can I grow? And really exploring and being curious about how can you do that? And the more options that you can paint for yourself as far as how you're going to learn about yourself or your colleagues or the business, you know, the more choices that you have to become better, to grow and evolve. So yeah, curiosity, I say helps all, but truly when you're going through a lot of disruption and change. Well, I mean, obviously you as a speaker, we've gone through so much disruption and change in this industry, uh, or I mean, in this in this country, um, and but how we deliver that message, you know, how you as a speaker deliver that message. And now we're moving into this world of uh, obviously a whole lot of virtual, but now a lot of hybrid presentations where you've got some of the audience, some all over the world. Um, How have you as a speaker um, changed with that? And how has your message changed with it? Yes. So I will say the message um, gratefully hasn't had to change. Um, I've been grateful to what I think to be rise to the call of many, many clients all over the world over these past couple of years as we dealt with this really, really massive disruption. Uh, But because of what change enthusiasm is and what it's rooted in, those really difficult emotions and the really tough times, I think that it has become more and more relevant um, and think folks are actually beginning to ask I need someone to talk about the emotions of change. I need someone to arm us with ways to transform all this energy that I feel across the organization towards growth and towards becoming better. So fortunately, the message hasn't had to get tweaked that much. But I'll tell you, the changes and pivots that we have made is, how do we bring that message, that quality, that high impact and the energy, not only to people who are in person, but also to people all around the world, And so obviously for, you know, the first, what, 15 months of the pandemic, all I did was virtual engagements Mm -hmm. uh, and engaging through a lens like I'm doing right now. But, you know, over the past few months, I've stepped back into this hybrid place where I'm on a stage. I see people in front of me. I can feel, you know, feed off that energy. But I'm also engaging with people through a lens and people sitting in front of their computer screens. And it's truly been incredible. Because it's like now you get you got this many thousand in the in-person audience and you got triple that around the world. And it's super, super exciting uh, to find new and innovative ways to make sure they stay engaged and the folks that are in person as well. So I've had a blast. (laughs) I've had a blast doing that. How do you think leaders, uh, you know, somebody who likes to attack challenges like that, uh, you know, if you were that still in that sort of uh, executive position that you were in, um, how would your uh, way of, I guess, transmitting enthusiasm or, or encouraging enthusiasm among your people, how would that change in a virtual world? Oh, wow. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful to partner with the rock stars at LinkedIn Learning. And so I've actually got a course on this. 
Uh, okay. and engaging your virtual audience, which I'd invite all of you to go have a look at. But for me, it's about bringing your authentic energy through the lens. Um, and, you know, it always for me goes back to energy and finding ways to be your true authentic self by looking into a lens. Um, whether that be, you know, your, your body language, the intention that you use and looking directly in the lens instead of, you know, at the screen, what you choose to decorate. Um, and I know that, you know, uh, backgrounds, virtual backgrounds are commonly used and I say they're completely fine to use, but if you can show your actual space and maybe put up a picture or a poster, or maybe uh, wear a t-shirt that you love, something that brings you through the screen. Um, and find ways to still be your authentic self, even in a virtual space, because, man, you can lose somebody in a virtual audience like this mm -hmm. because you got people at their fingertips, social media, email, other work they got to do, disruptions behind them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very important that you're bringing that authenticity, looking through the lens and engaging as best you can uh, in that way. Well, thank you, Cassandra, on behalf of PremierSpeakers.com and NationalSpeakers.com. Thank you for joining us and make sure to check out Cassandra on our website. You can check out our videos as well as seeing how she presents for, to a hybrid audience at PremierSpeakers.com. And again, thank you everyone for watching and listening to the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to BeyondSpeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.